0: Hello. Good. the morning to you, sir so Ken, and to the listeners as well. What a lovely day. It's feeling like summer already.
1: Yeah, it is. Certainly is. Now, Clive. Um, Asian stocks fell, um, and, and the dollar held uh, declines against major peers. And of course, the Federal Reserve' uh, their timidity towards raising interest rates underscored all of these global growth concerns. Yeah. Do
0: you see how they still have influence? The fact mm-hmm. they still mm-hmm. continue to have this control over how markets are supposed to actually go. But nonetheless, the Asian markets are still under pressure, Sakina, unfortunately. Specifically on the Asian market, we're talking about emerging markets that have continued to see their currencies depreciate. And it hasn't helped the fact that the Fed has come out and put another spike uh, through another spanner as well to say that the growth prospects, in terms of what they see, they're going to be focusing, predominantly they're focusing on jobs, now they're talking about inflation. So we've started to sense that maybe, maybe that September target to raise interest might not just come through. Um, and the other thing is that if you look at the MSCI Asia Pacific, for example, the index touched a level since last seen in January. So it's obviously at the back of the, of the week of greenback, which is sitting at about 11 to, uh, 11%, lower than it was in 2009. And if you look at also the reserves that have come in, not necessarily giving good confidence uh, to local investors within that area as well. So we're still hoping that we'll see a difference, but as we look around the world, uh, we look at what the commodities are doing and we look at what the energy is doing. The fact is demand is at best so it's not there, it does not exist. And so that is what's creating this turmoil in the Asian markets.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, China, of course, been in the news uh, uh, for certain reasons. And uh, looking at what's happening there, they're edging ever closer, it would seem, to the IMF seal of approval with uh, the uh, yuan policy move that they've undertaken.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's you know... Just to help um, our listeners understand, it, you you have to reach certain levels um, as an economy for you to be recognized. So, um, for example, the IMF has its own list of good guys and bad guys, or good creditors and bad creditors, good debtors and bad debtors. They've got a book. And they looked at China because of in the past there's never been transparency, there's never been clarity with regards to their results, and they're still very difficult even right now. But... What they've done is by controlling their, their yuan, they're controlling their currency, it has given some sort of confidence in that fact from the International Monetary Fund. And they mentioned this. I remember Christine Lagarde mentioning it, that, you know, the fact that the government is prepared to take that sacrifice, even when times are not necessarily great, it shows commitment from them uh, to try and make sure that they meet with the global standards that are required for you to actually run a successful economy. And so, this particular um, stance, Sakina, has helped them see an approval for the yuan as a policy uh, to recognize the yuan as a global uh, currency that can be utilized in terms of trade. Uh, similar to what the dollar can do. The dollar can be traded anywhere in the world. The yuan has been very difficult because if you don't have controls, if you don't see what is actually happening in the back of it, especially when government is so closely involved with how the economy is run, it becomes very, very difficult. So good, 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 good stuff from the Chinese, and I hope this approval will come uh, even sooner than what we expected.
1: And, of course, it's a Thursday, uh, which means we have an investment theme. And this morning, Clive, you want to tell us about agriculture investing?
0: You know, the guys don't like agriculture, Sakina. You know, they just think about and going into the you know, you just have to do farming and it stinks and you have to go through the cattle and the cows and the dung. They, they never think about... The positive side of agriculture and what it represents—it is a fantastic way in investing into an economy. It contributes just about 2.5% of our GDP. It does a lot to do, obviously, with transportation in terms of creating a food substance, environmental-friendly environment. It talks uh, directly to the kind of uh, uh, the food shortages, for example, in the world, uh, where South Africa is actually a very critical part. I was listening to Dr. Peter Melder, who's the deputy. Minister of Agriculture in South Africa. He's doing wonderful things on the African continent to try and spur up this wonderful uh, investment vehicle. So I'm hoping uh, the young people, that's who I'm urging, the young people, to get excited about farming, to get excited about being involved and getting their hands dirty. Uh, do you, We are the Mozambans, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Who We're, doesn't? Yeah. So, you know where they come from. Because some people see the, the, the Mozambans, they come from their trees. No. No. <laughs> 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 Clive. <laughs> so let's go into agriculture, Sakina. It's an exciting place to
1: invest. Listen, who are those people? Who which people do you know that think potatoes come from?
0: Teas? Sakina, I don't want to expose anyone. I don't want to be in trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, Clive. The people you hang around, I mean, yeah, you need to check that. But anyway, we'll speak to you again tomorrow. And that was our market analyst Clive.